Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey friends, welcome back to the Life on Word podcast. Today we're continuing our study of Matthew chapter 25. In the last episode, we covered the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids and recognized Jesus' emphasis on being prepared for His coming through concrete actions. In this episode, we will read Jesus' parable of the ten talents, which continues this theme of preparedness. I'm going to read starting in verse 14 and go through verse 30. And With that, let's get started. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness." In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Today we are looking at another one of Jesus' parables that he told to the disciples in his Olivet Discourse. 
I've talked a lot about the uniqueness of this discourse and why it is debated among scholars in the last three or four episodes, so I won't get into that again today. I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already, so that you understand the main points that Jesus is making in this teaching moment. Today we're picking up after Jesus' previous parable about the wise and foolish virgins or bridesmaids, and talking about another parable that emphasizes preparedness about Jesus' coming, but takes it a step further. In this parable, we see that being prepared means to be productive and faithful. We'll get into exactly what that means. So, starting to look at the text in verse 14, Jesus launches into the parable by telling the disciples of a man going on a journey who called some of his servants together to have them watch over the property in his absence. Along with caring for the property, he also gave them differing amounts of money to take care of. He likely wanted them to invest this money and make a profit for him. One servant got five talents, while another got two, and the last servant got one talent. Matthew records that they were given their amount of money, each according to his ability. When the man comes back from his journey, the servants explained how they used the money. The first two doubled the money he had given them through wise investments. The third servant, though, went and put the talent he was given in a hole as a way of keeping it safe for the master. The master praised the first two servants and said that they had been faithful over a little, so he would now set them over even more to manage. When it came to the third servant, though, he explained to the master that he knew the master was a hard man who reaped where he didn't sow and harvested where he hadn't planted any seed. For this reason, the third servant was afraid, so he hid the money in the ground. Surprisingly, instead of the master being at least pleased that the servant had not lost the money, the master calls him a wicked and slothful servant. The very least the servant could have done was to invest the money with the bankers or money changers and then get a little bit of interest in return. The result was that the servant's one talent was given to the servant who had the ten talents. The servant was cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, now that we have made our way through the story, let's examine it a little closer and see if we can find the deeper meaning that Jesus is pointing to. First, in case you don't remember from a previous episode, this isn't the first time that talents have been mentioned. This was a currency used in the first century, and it was worth a lot of money in terms of today. Many scholars view Matthew's words of talents being given each according to his ability, as pointing to the giftedness that each servant had. This likely is on the right track, but we don't know any details of what kind of giftedness is in mind. Second, notice how the master told the first two servants the exact same thing when they say that they had doubled the money. This shows that the point of the parable isn't about the total amount each servant could earn necessarily, but more so about each servant's ability to be faithful and responsible with what was given to them. The problem with the third servant was that he was scared of the master, and so instead of investing the money like the other two did, he did the easiest thing possible and just buried the money in a hole and walked away from it until the master returned. The servant did not use what he had been given to the best of his abilities to further the agenda or mission of the master. 
Now, when we read this parable, we typically jump right to lessons we can glean and apply in our own lives. We see the resourcefulness of the first two servants who use their abilities and may think that the main point of the parable is that we should also be resourceful with what God has given us. We should use what we have been given and make the most out of it so that we're not like the third servant and put to shame. While it is true that we should be resourceful, I want us to think about the original context for a moment. If the parable is only about being resourceful and using what we have, how does that fit into the bigger picture of everything Jesus has been saying throughout the discourse about the coming of the Son of Man and the warnings to be ready and prepared? It just doesn't seem to fit if we jump immediately to our own context. So, let's think back to what was so important to Jesus that he was always communicating to the people he came in contact. This was that the kingdom of heaven had arrived and people should repent and follow him as a result. There were some who took this message seriously and heeded his words. Sinners, tax collectors, regular old people that may have thought they didn't have much to offer or weren't deemed valuable by the world. These were the people that said yes to Jesus and decided to follow him. On the other hand, the ones who knew the Old Testament scriptures the most taught the common people what the scriptures meant and led them in religious activities. It was these people, the religious leaders, who rejected Jesus' message. Just a couple of chapters ago, before we started covering this discourse, we saw in chapter 23 how Jesus made it clear that the religious leaders were in the wrong and would be judged accordingly. So now thinking about all of that background and context, I want to give you one option of what Jesus has in mind with this parable. N.T. Wright is the scholar putting forth this view, and to me, it most clearly fits with Jesus' priorities and the context surrounding the passage. When you think of the identity of the servants, it makes sense that the wicked servant refers to the religious leaders of Israel that have rejected Jesus. They were the keepers of the law, they managed the temple, they taught the scriptures, they knew the promises of God blessing Israel, and through this, also blessing the rest of the world. What did they do with all this knowledge and this place of privilege? They buried it in the ground. They weren't interested in blessing the rest of the world. Instead, they burdened the rest of the Jews by making their oral traditions more important than God's written law. As Jesus said in chapter 23, they focused way more on the very small details of the law, like tithing on herbs from a garden, while they neglected the whole framework of Judaism, which was justice and mercy and faithfulness. They had totally failed in pointing people to God because they rejected Jesus and were antagonistic to him all throughout his ministry. So, when you think about it, they could be the worthless slaves that will suffer when the master returns. Going back to the theme we've seen throughout the discourse about judgment and the events of the first century, the destruction of the temple is the judgment that the servant, Israel's leaders, deserve for not following the will of God. On the other hand, the two other servants are the ones who become part of the kingdom of heaven as they accept Jesus' message. The first century world may have recognized them as the sinners and outcasts of society, but they became part of the new thing God was doing through Jesus and began working to bring the kingdom to earth that Jesus had been inaugurating. 
Their loyalty to Jesus is like the servant's loyalty to the master in wisely using what was entrusted to them. As I said earlier, this way of interpreting Jesus' words and situating them within the immediate context doesn't take away from the normal way this parable gets interpreted. It is true that we should use what we have been given, and Jesus will look at what each person does throughout their life, both good and bad. Verse 29 echoes Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, when Jesus is giving the parable of the sower and the different types of soil, stating, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. To the one who responds to Jesus' call, more will be given. They will come to know God more and more, gaining more knowledge about Him and being in relationship with Him. But the ones who reject God's calls to salvation, eventually their hearts will be hardened and they will never truly know God. One day, Jesus will divide all people based on whether they truly know God or not. There will be judgment for those unwilling to accept His message and eternal reward for those who do. It is a person's faithfulness, the evidence of their transformed heart, that shows whether they are truly a follower or not. You may think that this sounds harsh for the third servant, or for anyone, to be thrown into this place of judgment, but I want to give you the words of N.T. Wright on this subject. He said, When Jesus speaks of someone being thrown into the darkness outside, where people weep and grind their teeth, We must never forget that he was himself on the way into the darkness, where even he would sense himself abandoned by God. Jesus took on the sin of the world, experienced a place of darkness, feeling abandoned by God, all so that we could have an eternal relationship with him and be part of the kingdom. Okay, we've made it to the next stopping point in chapter 25, so we'll wrap up and look at how we can apply this passage in our own lives. Thinking through the Olivet Discourse as a whole, and how this parable fits within it, we see Jesus making this differentiation between the ones who have used rightly what they have been given by responding to Jesus' invitation into the kingdom, and those who have wrongly used what they've been given and have rejected Jesus and his message. This is just as relevant for us today as it was then. If you are listening to this podcast, you are likely in a part of the world where God and Scripture can freely be talked about. You have the freedom to learn as much as you want about God. In this sense, you have been given much. Please don't let your life pass by without taking full advantage of this privilege. Respond to Jesus' call to salvation and then dedicate the rest of your life to making the most of what you've been given. Tell others of the true King that has come and will come again and the salvation He extends to all people. Spend your life seeking to look more like Him. Be dedicated to learning as much about Him as you can, growing in love for Him. Stay laser-focused on your mission of helping bring redemption to the world. When you do this, you know that at the end of your life, you will hear the words the first two servants heard. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. This isn't a far-off joy that you only attain at the end of your life. Rather, it's a joy that you can have right now as you pour yourself out for the sake of the kingdom. 
Today we continued our study of Matthew chapter 25. We read of Jesus' parable about a master giving his servants money to go and make good use of. The underlying message of the parable was about preparedness and faithfulness to use what one has been given. In the next episode, we'll come to the last scene in the Olivet Discourse as we examine Jesus' words about the final judgment. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Check out the episode description to see the source materials I studied for this episode. Until next time.